Praise God, praise God. What an honor to be back with you in Newark, Delaware. Give honor to Pastor Steve and his wife and all the pastoral team. Give honor to Brother Tim McCurry, longtime friend. We both married women from Maine. Praise God. That's a special breed of women. Praise God. In Maine, the women are tougher than the men. And no man doth deny it. Praise God. At least no man with brains. Praise God. And of course, give honor to District Superintendent Brother Moss, to everybody here. It's just good to be in the house of the Lord. It's hard to believe that it's been since 2019 that I've stood in this pulpit. Praise God, but it's a lot of water under the bridge, but God has not changed. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I ask your prayers. I am feeling much better. I was very sick for a couple of weeks, tested negative to COVID multiple, three or four times, but um, I was very sick, I think with seasonal allergies, and uh, part, of the, part of the problem is we had five nights of, of revival in the midst of that of which I can feel compelled to keep right on preaching. It's hard to get well when you're preaching your guts out every night. Praise God. But I feel much better today, and uh, my throat may still not be 100%, but I do want to give you everything that I can tonight to communicate to you what God has given to me. Praise God. God spoke to me so forcefully yesterday evening about what I'm about to preach. It's interesting that I woke this morning, got out of bed, sat down at my computer to look over some notes that I had quickly typed typed up last night. And as I sat down there, a preacher that I do a lot of preaching for from Ohio sent me an email outlining my opening remarks here today and said, this is what God gave me last night. Can you help me with the rest of it? Isn't that amazing? And uh, so, in Dayton today, they're preaching what I'm preaching today. <laughs> Praise God. I don't know. You can go find Brother Dillingham's website, see who did a better job. Praise God. But I do feel like I have a word and a voice from God today. Praise God. And if I could just communicate to you just an ounce of what I felt last night. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Oh, tell them what God may do in our lives. I don't bring you a new message, maybe a fresh way to look at it, but an old message that has not changed for 2,000 years. I'm reading, first of all, today from the book of Psalms. From the book of Psalms, and I'm using the King James, not because I have any problems with uh, the uh, NI, whatever it is you usually, whatever alphabet soup of the month we're using. But uh, I just forgot where I was, so I prepared with the King James. Praise God. That's what they spoke when Paul was on earth. It's got to be good enough for me. (laughs) Praise God. Psalms chapter 42, starting with verse number 1. As the heart panteth after the water brook. As the heart panteth after the water brook. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God. 
for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Lord Jesus, let us never forget, hallelujah, that what we seek is our relationship with you. What we must desire more than anything in life is our relationship with you. As the heart panteth after the water brook, O oh Lord, let me pant after thee. Let me long after thee. Let me search after thee. Let me thirst after thee, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You can be seated. I'm going to try. I know I'm, I'm, I'm usually a very fast and loud and rambunctious, I don't know what they call it, <coughs> preacher, but um, I want to slow down just a little bit at the beginning. I'm sure that it'll pick up before long, but I just, I just want to talk to you from my heart a little bit today. I'm looking at Philippians for a second passage today. Philippians chapter 3, yet doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ my Lord. The things in this life are nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ. The number of degrees or the number of companies I may own or the number of anything that I may attain in this life, they are nothing compared to the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, I count them but waste. I count them as nothing. Why that I may win Christ. Now notice with me the next verse. It says, and, and, be found in him, not having mine own righteousness. I stand here today not because I've attained anything. Not because I by myself am perfect. Not of my own righteousness do I stand here, but that which is through faith. You see, by faith I can claim righteousness today. By faith, I can claim rightness. By faith, I can claim salvation. Without faith in God, I can claim nothing. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now notice verse 9. Actually, rather verse 10. That I may know him. I'm forsaking the things of this world. I have claimed by faith that which is not even rightfully mine for one reason, that I might know him. God, let us never forget what we're doing here today. 
There's nothing wrong with the desire for relationships here on earth. There's nothing wrong with, with desiring for groups and all these things, but let us never forget it's all about knowing him, that I may know him and the power. Somebody say power. The power of his resurrection. You know, I really enjoy knowing him in the power of his resurrection. I really know, I love knowing him in the power of the miraculous. I really love knowing him in the power of the supernatural. But if I only know him in the power of the resurrection, I only partly know him. Because Paul said to the Philippians, not only that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, but in the fellowship of his suffering. My ability to have faith in suffering. When I have the ability to have faith in spite of the circumstances. When I have the ability to claim which is not rightfully mine because of the stains of the sins of this world. It's then that I begin to fully know him being made conformable unto his death. If by any mean I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either we're already perfect, but I follow after if I might apprehend that which has apprehended me apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus brethren I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth reaching forth unto the things which are before I press I press I press as the deer panteth after the water book. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. For a little while today, I want to talk to you from this subject, from this title, that I may know him. That I may, I have to know Jesus. Nothing else matters. I have to know Jesus. Success is not important if I don't know Jesus. Degrees are meaningless if I don't know Jesus. Who I know, Brother Beardsley is constantly giving me a hard time about knowing everybody when the reality is there's probably way more people I don't know than I do know. But it doesn't matter who I know if I don't know him doesn't matter how much I know about the Bible. You see, sometimes we are more concerned about being able to quote and argue and articulate the things of the Bible than we are about knowing him. 
knowing him completely and fully, not only in the power of the resurrection, but that I must know him in all aspects of suffering. I must know him completely. Let's take a moment to look at 1 John chapter 2. Starting with verse 1, it says, My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Ain't you glad we have an advocate with the Father? In fact, let me just stop and say all of you that are perfect and have never sinned, you're dismissed. I'm not here for you today. I'm for those of us that are struggling and striving and pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not, but if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. He is the perpetuation of our sins or for our sins. He is the payment. I couldn't pay for my own sins. I couldn't, I couldn't pay for my own wrongdoings. I, I couldn't pay for my own failure. He is the payment. He is the propitiation for my sins and not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. Now notice verse three. And hereby we do know that we know him. This is how we know because you have multiple degrees hanging on the wall. No, that's not what it says. Is it because you pastor a big church? No, that's not what it says. Is it because I can speak the Greek and the Hebrew? No, no. Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. If we keep Christ's commandments, if we keep his commandments, and he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, if we ain't careful, we want to translate this with a Jewish mindset to the Old Testament and to the laws and the Ten Commandments. But understand, if we are, are bound by the law of the Old Testament, we are utmost and altogether failures in the sight of God. When it talks about keeping his commandments, knowing him by keeping his commandments, he is not talking about the Ten Commandments, quote unquote. We are not talking about the moral laws of the Jewish people in the book of Leviticus. What we are talking about is what Jesus lived and preached as the commandments when he was on earth. But whosoever keepeth his word... Whosoever keepeth Jesus' commandment, he that keepeth Jesus' commandment, in him verily is the love of God perfected. In, but whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected hereby. Know we that we are in him. 
understand John 13, 34 and 35 tells us a new commandment. This is Jesus speaking. A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. When, when John talked about knowing him by keeping the commandments, what they referred to was what Jesus gave as the commandments when he was on earth. A new commandment that I gave unto you that you have love one for another as I have loved you that ye also love one another by this shall all men know that you are my disciples why because you have love one for another when I tell people this the biggest comment I get back is well I just don't like them honey Jesus didn't ask you to like them he said to love them. And you better be glad he loves people he don't like because he didn't like you. But when you were in your sins, Christ died because he loved me. He didn't like me. He loved me. And what I am called today, if I want to know him, I will know him by loving you. I will know him by loving the least. I will know him because I live his commandments. Jesus spelled these out in Mark. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Honey, this is ground zero. Hallelujah. This is fundamental to what God has called us to do. To know him is to do his commandments. And his commandments was to love God. And the second was like the first. Love your neighbor. I don't care how much you don't like them. I don't care how much you distaste when you think of them. I don't care how big and bad their sins are. I'm telling you today, Jesus loved you when you were a wretch. How can I do less when he has loved me so greatly? You see, I will never fully know him until I learn to love the people nobody else loves. It's in those relationships. Hallelujah, Matthew 24 and 40 says, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you've done to the least of these, you've done it unto me. I may have told this story here before, but when I was teaching, one of my classes... One of the requirements was to go with me down to the slums of St. Louis. And there we would feed and talk to the street people and the homeless people, the very dredges of our society. Every, every semester there became an argument between me and a few students. 
Some students would meet me after class and say, well, I'm not doing that. You understand in the syllabus it says you cannot pass this class if you don't go. If you don't go with me, you can't pass. I've had them look at me and say, you don't know who my daddy is. I said, honey, you don't know how it works around here. I give out the grades, not your daddy. Hallelujah. I've even had their daddies call me and say, you can't make my baby go downtown. I said, oh, you want a bet? Had one girl who threw a fit, and I, I always offered three times during the semester, different variant times. I worked some with an organization that fed the, law, fed, the, fed the homeless people in St. Louis. And so I was arranged three times that I would take supervision. And the people I worked with had armed security. And so it was very safe, but we would go down. And so I had this one girl who did everything that she could. I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. Her daddy called and said, she's not going, she's not going, she's not going. And, you know, that's your prerogative. If you want to fail, that's your prerogative. I don't care how good a student you are. You're in rebellion, and I'm going to fail you because you're rebellious. Finally, the last opportunity to go downtown, roll around, and finally she decided that she would go in spite of her feeling she didn't have to go. And so I took her, took about 30 students that time, and we went there, and I actually forgot about her while we were there. You know, he, I would bring about 10 or 15 of our own people as chaperones, and then about 30 students, and then we would feed anywhere from 500 to 1,000 homeless people. So this is a big operation. It's easy to get lost in, and then they have all their security personnel. And so I, I just kind of lost track of where she was at. I wasn't really concerned. I had people strategically placed throughout the buildings and throughout the feeding area and out throughout the lobby and outside the building and it was time to go and we were wrapping it up and fixing to go and this girl approached me and she said, Brother Peyton, she said, I know one of the rules is I, we're not allowed to touch anybody and we're not allowed to let anybody touch us. But she said, I've been, I've been sitting with an old man and she said, we're about to leave and he wants to hug me. At first, I wanted to say no, but she was very insistent. I said, what do you want to do? She says, I, I, I think I want him to hug me. So I said, I'll tell you what, let me get a couple people. We'll go with you. We'll watch. If anything inappropriate happens, you know, we'll knock somebody's block off or whatever we were going to do. I'm not sure. So we went and found the old guy. She hugged him. Didn't appear that anything spectacular happened. It was a hug. I noticed she was shedding a few tears and she went and got on a bus. One of the assignments associated with this event, they had to write a reflection. They had six hours after the event to write a page on what they felt, what they thought. I was kind of anxious to see what she would write. When I opened up the document from the internet, she started out her document by saying, for the first time in my life, when I put my arms around that man, 
I felt like I held Jesus in my arms. She said, Brother Peyton, for the first time, I understood what you do to the least of these. You do it unto God. And she said, there was just something that transpired. I knew God in a way that I had never known him before. When I understood his love for this man and I understood his love for me and I understood, you see, there's something that transpires when you live out the commandments of God. In as much as you've done to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Some of the saddest verses in the Bible to me are like Genesis chapter 28 and verse 16. All night long Jacob sleeps while angels transcend from heaven to earth and back again. And yet he gets up in the morning and he said the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. You see, Jacob did not know him even though he was visited by angels. Jacob had hatred for the least in his life, which is brother. And the way he treated him prevented him from knowing God even when angels, even when angels showed up. Another like verse, Samson raises with a cry, the Philistines are upon you. His hair shone away and the Bible said that he shook himself like other times and he wished not that the Lord had departed unto him. You see, Samson did not know him even though he possessed the might of God. You may be mighty in God, but you may not fully understand the God you serve until you understand how much he loves the very least. Hosea, God speaking to Hosea, he said of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, he said, they knew me not even though I healed them. You see, Israel did not know him even though, hallelujah, he led them out of Egypt. Even though the clothing on their back grew. Even though he fed them. Hallelujah, they did not know God. No, Matthew, Jesus warns when the flood came and took them all away, hallelujah, they knew not. They knew not. They knew not God. Hallelujah, even though there was a party nature in the world, but the world didn't know him even though he was building an escape. Even though salvation was at their fingertips, they knew him not, even though he provided a way of escape. John tells us he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Oh, the world did not know him because they didn't understand Stand. Hallelujah, the commandments to love him and to love the least, the neighbor. Hallelujah. Oh, church today, if you want to know him, I don't care if you're the preacher 
or I don't care if you're the Sunday school teacher. I don't care if you mow the grass. I don't care what your position is today. Jesus is calling to you to know him in a way that maybe we've not taken the time to before. Hallelujah. Hear me today. Don't let it be said of me uh, that I had great wisdom. Uh, hallelujah. But I knew not God in my wisdom. Uh, hallelujah. That I knew not God in the miracles. Uh, I knew not God in salvation. Uh, Lord, let me know you. Let me know you. Let me know you. I was thinking last night, I began to understand the parable, not the parables, but the stories in the New Testament in ways that I had never fully understood them before. I began to think, hallelujah, about the woman at the well. And I began to understand that it's not until you sat with the woman at the well and seen Christ's true love for her and her broken life that you will begin to know him. It's not until you've taken the time to hear her broken story, the story of divorce, rejection, and worthlessness. It's not until I've walked down that path that I could fully know the God that I serve, the God that refused dinner and sat in a well with a woman nobody else wanted. Hallelujah. Until I understood what was going on, I don't understand God it's not until I've given him the few fishes and the loaves of my experiences the few fishes and loaves of my education and he turns and feeds a multitude of hungry people with them it's not until I see their face leap with joy from the crumbs of my empty lunchbox that I understand the kind of love he has for me until I understand how he loves others, I'll never understand how he loves me. And the only way that I can understand how he loved others is I have to love them too. It's not until I understand the value of the alabaster box. It's not until I understand what it meant to be poured out. It's not until... I feel the woman's desires and listen to her story of how the only thing she ever desired was to feel loved and wanted. Can anybody love me just the way I am? It wasn't a story about the Godhead. It wasn't a story about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It wasn't a story about crossing the Red Sea. It wasn't even the story about the other miracles for the woman. But it was a story about a God that could love me. It's only when I understand how he loved her that I can understand how he loved me. Not until I've sat by the side of the road with a blind old beggar and listened to him call out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. It's not until I've heard the story of a life of blindness, stumbling through darkness from one lost hope to the next. It's not until I've walked that journey with this world. <laughs> 
Hallelujah. And feel the brilliance of sight as it springs upon me. It's not until we understand a woman's desperate plea, her desperate anguish after being called a dog, that she falls down and worships. It's not until we understand, hallelujah, that Jesus was her final hope, that we fully understand the scope of who Jesus was. It's not until we've lived with the lepers and understood their cries, unclean, unclean. Hallelujah. It's not until we've sat with the woman with an issue of blood for 12 long years. It's not until we've watched her spend all of her living. It's not until the fog and pain and despair and hopelessness, you finally hear Jesus stop and say, who touched me? Who touched me? It's not until I understand that God, that role of his love for the nobodies and the least, that I really know him. Hallelujah. It's not until I hear the dying crawl out, call out from a cross of their own making. It's not until I hear that on another cross is the God of all the universe who simply says today, today, in response to the prayer, remember me, we hear him say today, today, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Musicians come. It's not until my empathy pours out not until I fill my arms with broken lives. It's truly then when I've loved the least, when I've stooped in the muck of the world and lifted up the nobodies, the least, the broken, the divorced, the wretched, all like me. It's only then that I will fully understand how much Jesus loved me. I don't know about you, but I have to know him. I have to know him. Hallelujah, I said I have to know him. And I look back over my life. The great movements in my life have not been in church services. Hallelujah. But it's in buildings you wouldn't keep chickens in on the Bering Sea. Hallelujah. The people that nobody had time for. Hallelujah. Is when I took a one-year-old baby dead in my hands and lifted it up in an emergency room to return it to the God that gave it and then held his abusing, murdering father in my arms and expressed to him that Jesus loved him too. It's not until I could do that that I fully understood the God that I serve. It's not until I obeyed the second commandment that I would love the least. Because it's when I love the least, hear me today, it's when I love the least. Hallelujah. Hear me today, it's when I love the least. It's then that I know him. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus one time rose from the, from the supper at the last table. And he took a towel and girded himself, poured water in a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet. You know what they were doing when he washed their feet? They were arguing over who would be the greatest in the kingdom. But Jesus stooped 
and the dust and the dirt of the floor and washed their feet. And he said, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Hear me today. Jesus loved the least. And until you understood what he did on earth, and until you spend your life emulating it, you will never, ever fully know God. I'm here to tell you that Newark, yea, Delaware, yea, New England, yea, the whole world is in need of knowing him. And they will know him because a church loved one another and they obeyed the commandments to love God and love the least, their neighbors. I must know him. You must know him. God bless you. Hallelujah. This morning might be repentance. It might be renewed commitment. It might be confirmation. Whatever it is, church, it is first and foremost about our neighbor. Then our master will be faithful to care for us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. How does this work in your life? Ask him this morning. He'll talk to you. What does this look like in your context? He'll tell you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. This is why our children matter. They're the least. This is why people who can't give anything matter. Because they're the least. This is why the person you don't like matters. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. This sermon should not lead you to condemnation. If it is, that's the accuser. Rebuke that voice. This sermon leads us to conviction, to commitment. There's not condemnation in God's message. There's a call. There's a call. There's a conviction. Commit yourself. Do a sniff test. What's your attitude like? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, you have blessed us, but help us to remember why. It is for your kingdom and only for your kingdom. Hallelujah, God, you are faithful, you are just, and you are good. But your focus is not upon us, but rather upon those who do not yet know you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. I love you, Lord, and I worship you. Oh, I humble myself before you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
to know someone is to know how they think, they feel, and what motivates them. You, you don't even have to agree with them to know them. You don't even have to like them to know them. One of the greatest privileges that I've had is I've had a coworker that knows me. Leela knows me. She knows how I think. She knows what motivates me. I don't think she likes most of what I think. I'm not sure she agrees with half of what I think. But I can't, I can't hide from her. It's horrible. I sit in a meeting and I'm being disciplined, Sister Diane, and I just look across the table and I can tell she's already reading it. One of the oldest hymns, most scholars believe it is the oldest hymn that is preserved within Scripture, is a hymn contained in Philippians. Let this mind be in you. Know him who though he were God didn't think it was something to be grasped at, to hold on to his divinity, to hold on to his station, but rather he humbled himself. He descended. Came down to earth and became a slave, became a human. And they kept trying to elevate him. And he go, you, you don't understand. The stuff you're trying to elevate me to is a demotion from where I'm coming from. You don't understand why I'm here. You don't know me. See, when you get a hold of who you actually are, when you realize that you are the child of God, you are the son or the daughter of God, not because you're worthy of it, not because you've earned it, but because he loved you and he elevated you there, then it's not a problem for you to have his mind in your mind. And you don't have a problem descending to the lowest place. You don't have a problem with denying self. You don't have a problem going down to the dregs and to the utter places, the self denial places because you already know who you are and you are willing to have the mind of your master you don't have to like it you don't have to agree with it but you have to decide is he your master and I'm telling you that if on a human level, a husband and a wife can come to know one another, those of you that are married, you know, you can come to know one another well enough that you can talk with your eyeballs. You don't say a word. You just look at each other and communication happens. I don't know how to this day to explain that, but you all know what I'm talking about. You married long enough, you just look at one another. You don't have to wink. You don't have to scrunch your face. You don't have to do anything. You just are in enough sync. You're still two different people, but you share the same. You know one another.
if co-workers, as I used the example, Leela and I can work together for a long enough time that we can come to know how the other's going to respond. If you're willing to spend enough time with him, if you're willing to lay aside what you want and choose what he wants instead, I got a promise for you. You can't avoid. You can't. There's no way for you to avoid knowing him. I promise you. My wife probably married me and wanted to know me. That's kind of what husbands and wives do. But Lil did not want to know me. To this day, she don't really want to know me. She wants to know Arthur, and Arthur wants to know me. She don't want to know me. But by God's calling, we just spent enough years together, doing enough work together, going to the same places together, doing the work of the kingdom together, that it just happens. I'm telling you, if you will spend enough time with your master, with Jesus Christ, if you will go enough places with him, if you will let him lead you and you will follow him, there is no way. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You will get the scent of Jesus. You will smell like him. You will think like him. Not because you are him, but because you have spent so much time with him. It struck me, and this is the last thing I'm going to say to you today in application. It struck me this morning that if you want to know someone, they don't hand you a rule book. It, 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 it doesn't work that way. I mean, that's one level of knowledge. I could, hand, I could hand each of you a manual of my quirks and of my personality and of the way that I operate. And I could give you a certain amount of rules, but then there's just the intangible. And the only way you're going to get Stephen Beersley is spend enough time with him. Listen to him enough. Go places with him. Watch him react to things. Watch him deal with things. It's a relationship. You're not going to know this Jesus just by reading your Bible. You're not going to know this Jesus by talking to disciples who know him and say, tell me his rules. Lil could tell you a few rules about me. She could help you understand me. But she can't tell you everything. You're going to have to be in relationship with him. Which means that obeying his commandments is not a list that you're being obedient to. But it is a lifestyle that you are living. In which you are engaged in a day-to-day walk with Jesus facing things and saying what are you doing here Jesus what should I be doing here Jesus how do I respond to this Jesus and you learn so don't turn this into a performance test oh we're good at doing that aren't we if I do one two three four five six I know Jesus no 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 that's not how it works 
walk with him. Where is he walking? You walk with him. Where is he leading? You follow. I want to get to the place where Jesus doesn't have to send me to Samaria. Because I'm going to mess up what he's doing with the woman at the well. There's a whole sermon right there. I just gave it to you for free. You guys can unpack it. I want to get to the place where Jesus says, all the rest of you yokels go on. But Stephen, I I want you to sit here with me. Because you don't know everything, but you, you know enough to keep your yap shut. You know enough not to rebuke me or correct me or remonstrate with me. You know enough to sit here with me while I reach for this woman. I want to get to a place that I know Jesus well enough that I don't have it all together, but I know it well enough that he'll say, come with me to this place where I'm going to do something that nobody else understands. But come with me. Would you walk with me to this place that nobody gets? Can you imagine what it would have been like if one of those disciples had matured to the place that they could have sat there and watched their master reach for this broken, discarded woman? could have even sat there and begun to see her the way he saw her all along. He didn't see her as the sexual pervert. He didn't see her as the dishonored woman. He saw her as that little girl that was conceived in her mother's womb and was born. He saw her with all of her hurts and her pains that had led to her poor choices, but then he saw her after he called her. He saw her face bright and shining as she ran into a town that had scorned her and hurt her and didn't care anymore and just says, come see a man who told me everything that ever I did. Folks, the Messiah has come. The Messiah has come. The Messiah has come. So Newark, we need to walk with him. Obedience to his commandments includes, yes, the lists of things we can identify within Scripture. But please do not stop there. You've got to feel it. You've got to smell like him. You've got to be walking with him so that whatever he's sweating, you're sweating. Whatever he's crying, you're crying. And the good news is, is he doesn't ask every one of us to walk the same path. That's the power of the body. He has a walk for you. You individually. Today's a call for us to walk with him in that. It will include loving people you don't like. It will include going places you'd prefer to not go. It will include denying self. You can't be his disciple unless you deny self. But it'll be unique to you. just like the woman at the well I got good news for you he's not looking at you the way you see yourself right now he sees what he is developing in you 
All today is, is are you willing to walk with him? So all across this place, I can't make you make that decision, but if you've made that decision once again, would you slip a hand in the air? Would you speak it with your mouth? Would you tell Jesus, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you're doing. You lead. I'll follow. Jesus, I love you this morning. God, whatever you want from each of us individually, I know you're leading us corporately, Lord, but also individually. God, would you hear the cries of these people right now? Would you hear the quiet commitments? God, we want to know you. It's not good enough to check off the to-do list. We want to know you. Lead us and guide us, oh God. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. God, I lift my hands to you, Lord. I lift them in surrender and commitment, Lord. God, I lift them in surrender and love, Lord Jesus. God, I lift them in surrender and desire. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There are too many people for you to reach. The task is too large for you to plan. Only I, the Lord God, the Savior of the earth, can do this. It is not by might and it is not by power. It is by my spirit. But this one requires for you to follow me. This requires you to know me. This requires you to respond to my moves. You cannot see me, so you cannot use your eyes. You cannot hear me because you cannot use your ears. You can't taste me, so you can't use your taste. You can't touch me, so you can't use your hands. I'm a God that is operating in a realm that is not natural to you, but my spirit lives inside of you, and I have called each of you to know me, 
to know me intimately, to know me in my spirit. And that which is bigger than you, that which you cannot comprehend, that which you cannot master, I, the Lord God, am fully in control. And if you'll follow the leading of my spirit, I will lead you and I will guide you. Just as I promised my first disciples, I will lead you and I will guide you into all truth. Newark, walk with me. Trust me. And you will know me. And in knowing me, you will do my will. I told my disciples that I came to do the will of my Father, but I also told them that I knew my Father. You can know me, and by knowing me, you can do my will. You can do this, Newark. Just keep walking with me, and I will lead you, and I will guide you, and I will call you into places and I will empower you, and you will come to know me more and more each day, saith the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your promises. Thank you, Lord, for your promises, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, Brother McCurry, I'm telling you, you are an amazing sound man. Joey demolished this microphone up here, and we still didn't hear any popping. I, I bow to you, sir. You are amazing. Joey, you tore one half of it apart, and you lost the windscreen. And somehow, I bow to you, Brother McCurry. You get our team to there, and we are very, very thankful. <laughs> oh, God bless you all. I had to tease Joey a little bit. I got up here, picked up the windscreen, and then found he'd ripped the microphone half in half. I'm like, oh, my Lord. Have mercy on us. We got to get you a different microphone, Joey. You're too much of a wild man. God bless you all. Have a great day. Remember Sunday school?